What we're going to talk about today is mistletoe. Here we've got mistletoe living off a tree. And there we have cancer living out mm-hmm. of the person and off the person. Right. You know, traditionally they would have gone, yeah, it's doing the same thing. This, you know, cancer growths were there. People were covering cancer growths. They weren't removing them traditionally and they knew they die from them. But the mistletoe would be taken as a herb of choice because like that cancer is growing. So the mistletoe is growing on the person as well as that parasitic way of being. I'm sure you could kiss under the mistletoe outside of Christmas time as well. If you happen to see it, I'm sure it's not just reserved for a Christmas kiss. Hello and welcome. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists, and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. And today I've got the wonderful Christine from the Herbal Extract Company in Sydney. And what we're going to talk about today is mistletoe. And I do want to put a little bit of a disclaimer on the front of our conversation today, and that if you are a member of the public, please see a naturopath or herbalist, as I don't personally believe that mistletoe should be taken as a single. And you do need to be under the supervision of someone who specializes in cancers and serious illness that mistletoe has been suggested for within the literature. So just make sure if you are a member of the public that you do have a naturopath or herbalist and you don't just go and seek out this herb independently. Okay. So because this is only a quick discussion, whereas those of us who are practitioners who are listening, it's a great reminder about mistletoe and how we can use it. I do have some on my shelf as a liquid tincture from the Herbal Extra company and I don't use it very often and when I do use it I do use it in quite low dose so please tell us about it Christine. Yes well and one of the reasons we chose this as well was because it's Christmas. Yes. Mistletoe is famous for you know it's romantically associated with stealing a kiss at Christmas when you stand under it so that's one of the reasons why we were talking about it but you know as you said it's frequently used in complementary therapy as an adjuvant in cancer treatment so adjuvant being like along with other treatment it's not the sole treatment um, and other immunological disorders there is some you know several lines of evidence um that it can improve patient survival yeah in cancer there's no specific cancers there but and also the damage caused by the conventional therapies and that it also increases the patient's quality of life so it is exciting to have a tool like this and we have preclinical evidence um, experimental models that uh yeah to justify those claims yes but there would need to be more. Cancer is tricky, obviously. It's many variables, so many variables. But we do have some, you know, anti-cancer evidence clinically to show that it's very high in antioxidants, which is always mm. going to be good. Yeah the autoimmune and inflammatory conditions. So, I mean, it is quite a low dose herb, but I mean, you've got some randomized controlled trials, which is the gold standard, which is what we want to be seeking out and looking for. And so having these trials in the background means that we do have some data and some evidence to use it as an adjunct Mm. to our cancer therapies. So besides the cancer therapies to complement the cancer therapy 
injuries and recovery. So one with a doctor, you know, a practitioner would be using this under, you know, with a doctor as well or with many different practitioners that the patient is dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing about it is the antihypertensive effect as well. I mean, that's where I've tended to use it. I don't work with cancer clients. I think that's very much a specialty because of all of the medications and the drugs and everything else. So it is, you know, there are naturopaths who have it as a specialist area and they're using it. But I've used it as an antihypertensive as part of a combined mix. Again, never as a single. So can you tell us a bit about its vasodilator effects? Yes, well, that was discovered, um, you know, some of these herbs have great sort of early discoveries by, you know, physicians. And this was a French guy called René Gaultier in 1907. He recorded its use as a vasodilator and there was a commercially available preparation in the 1930s to 50s and it's just sort of re-emerged as an antihypertensive and I don't have any um, clinical trials here but there is um, test tube evidence that can decrease blood pressure without causing a change in heart rate and yeah so it showed there is a pilot study I should say but it's showing promise Um, the scientific evidence is showing promise in its use in hypertension and arteriosclerosis and cardiovascular disorders it's a mistletoe is a celtic name which means all heal it has been used in traditional medicine in europe centuries treat diseases like cancer cardiovascular disorder you know hypertension arthritis it's been used for a long time and it's obviously across the board because it's got the name all heal yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, it is parasitic plant, so yes. it grows on other plants, which is why, you know, you'd steal that kiss under any tree that happened to have mistletoe growing in it. So when a plant has that parasitic effect, so when we talk about the, so forgotten the word now, when for like, so when our herb looks like something, so like in foods, your walnut is very good to the brain. And of course it looks like a little brain. So we have that, you know, so here we've got mistletoe living off a tree and there we have cancer living out Mm -hmm. of the person and off the person so where you know traditionally they would have gone yeah it's doing the same thing this you know cancer growths were there people were covering cancer growths they weren't removing them traditionally and they knew they die from them but the mistletoe would be taken as a herb of choice because like that cancer is growing so the mistletoe is growing on the person as well as that parasitic way of being I guess so one and it grows on all sorts of trees as well so what pine poplar oak apple trees um so when it's growing on a tree that produces fruit as well and it's taking that nutrient but the tree still grows the fruit even though yeah because there's a study there that the phytochemical profile of mistletoe will depend on the host plant wow um, because it's semi-parasitic so the compounds obviously that are in it are going to be affected by the tree that it's growing on so there's not a lot of literature on that they're starting to uh, look into it, I guess, to see yeah. what compounds it is, pass, what compounds are passing from the host tree to the mistletoe as well. Yeah. Which is really interesting because that w- might have a significant change to which one it's used for. Either you're yeah. taking your mistletoe off an apple tree or you're taking your mistletoe off pine yeah. because we do know, of course, that pine is very high in antioxidants. Yeah. So it's going to have a very different makeup, that mistletoe that's come from a pine tree that's come from an apple tree, for example. A phenomenal, very Christmassy herb, but with quite, you know, a couple of very almost specific uses, even though it's a heal-all for those, the word 
worst problems. They, mm-hmm. you know, really degenerative and the real problems. It's not for your coughs and your colds. It's for when we're really, truly unwell. So because of all that antioxidant, cytotoxic and anti-tumor, mm-hmm. so immunomodulatory. So it's got a lot of actives and a lot of uses. It's an, a phenomenal herb. So it is. there are a couple of contraindications. Of course, you know, it's not to be used in pregnancy, for example. And But we don't know about drug interactions and there's none known at the moment. But that's something that, you know, as they do more and more work with the herb as an adjunct to cancer and to cancer therapy, that's where they will start making those discoveries. So um, it's really a plant to keep an eye on, isn't it? It's one of those. And it's an amazing herb. It's the TNFA alpha activity to strengthen the immune system to combat cancer as well. So it's, you know, it's really got some bit of science we do like for something that's been around for so, so long. You know, we've got a lot of traditional knowledge on it as well, as well as people researching it constantly. I mean, that physician you spoke about, that was 1907. Yeah. So we've got this. Yeah, we've got this constant use, you know, this constant understanding and learning. This is one of those herbs that people are always showing interest in and seeing what they can learn from it. And I think with cancer patients too, it's this quality of life. If you can improve Mm. the quality Mm. of life and the damage that's caused by the conventional cancer therapies, as well as including uh, improving survival rates. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's got to be something that's um, worthwhile looking into, isn't it? It's really big. I mean, that's part of part and parcel of being a naturopath and a herbalist is making sure that someone's, you know, they've got that quality of life and the clients that they're seeing are able, because I'm, you know, I want, everyone who happens upon this podcast to find themselves a naturopath that's preferably local to them and if they don't have one local then certainly to find one within their own country so that they can it's great to get the knowledge from someone overseas but you can't necessarily always access the same products so I do feel that you know people all need to have a naturopath and a nutritionist a herbalist as part of their healthcare team for themselves as they get older so it's really quite essential so so that's oh sorry I was just gonna say I mean, one of the highlights, I I think looking at mistletoe as well, not only does, I mean, I think this is from preclinical evidence, but it seems to not only modulate the immune system, but directly be cytotoxic to cancer cells without affecting normal healthy cells. So yeah, I mean, that's a thing. They think that's where it's anti-cancer activity is coming from. And obviously antioxidants offer protection as well. So you know, it's an all-rounder, really. It is an all-rounder because that's not, you know, often when we, because there's all this, you know, kill the cancer cells, kill the cancer cells, but you are killing all the good cells around it and you're reducing that immunity. So here we've got something that's going to be this great adjunct and it's working only where it's meant to because of it's, you know, how it's parasitic, you know, because of who it is as a herb and, you know, how it, what it does as a herb, it's going in for where it needs to be. So it's really one of the herbs because, you know, lots of herbs, like lots of drugs, cover a lot of things and can change a lot of things. And here's one that's heading, it's targeted. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. And the future research on this one is going to be phenomenal. It's yeah. going to be amazing. So we just have to keep it in everybody's vision as, you know, a herb to be looking at and using. And it's been used like that for years. So it's not yeah. suddenly a modern usage yeah. for this herb. It's very much a traditional usage for this herb that we're finding the science for. Right. Have we got anything else that we've missed about this good old mistletoe? Remind everyone to steal a kiss when they see the mistletoe. Yep, get on there and
and steal that kiss, everybody. Make sure that I'm, I'm sure you could kiss under the mistletoe outside of Christmas time as well if you happen to see it. I'm sure it's not just reserved for a Christmas kiss. Although, you know, we do have to ask for the kiss, don't we? We do. We do. We should <laughs> always days ask. about stealing the kiss without consent, but <laughs> you must have consent when you steal that kiss. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much again, Christine, and I look forward to when we chat next time and we will have another set of exciting herbs to talk about and thank you again my pleasure cheers thanks so much for joining me today don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes if you'd like even more support and learning then the academy is for you here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients and practice Bye for now.